the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the lake of fire, the second death. These are images that flooded my adolescent mind alongside real-life stories of pastors in Soviet prisons and mental institutions. This was all alongside the ever-present possibility of a nuclear holocaust. Fast forward to today, we have Russian hackers, disinformation campaigns, fake news, conspiracy theories, and to top it all, a global pandemic. Surely, the stage is set. I'm Paul White, and this is Apocalypse, the Book of Revelation. Join me and my special guest and friend Pete Milner as we explore what God might be saying through this incredible book to us today. Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White, and my great friend Pete Milner. Hi everyone. And once again, we are... Working our way through the book of Revelation, and sometimes kind of sauntering seems a little bit of a kind of light-hearted oh, Sometimes term. it has become a trend, <laughs> yes, hasn't it? and certainly a challenging journey, but we're trying to give it our, our thoughts. We're certainly not claiming to be the ultimate authority on it, and many great minds have been applied to this, and very spiritual men and women have written on it. We're just kind of offering our conversation really for you to think about and to trigger your own study and reflection and so on mm. so lord help us today and let this be productive and beneficial and edifying let it build us up and equip us to do the job of being these martyrs these witnesses on the face of the earth bearing our testimony to the very end of jesus the ah oh, the faithful one the yeah awesome our champion yeah Amen. Amen. So chapter 18 and verse 1, it says, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird. A haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Wow. So this is the ruin that in last chapter we were promised, isn't yeah. it? The great fall of Babylon the world system of money and luxury and power and domination and, you know, the idle kind of sampling kind of iniquity about everything, every mm. sensuous pleasure has finally got to come up, come yeah. up, and, hasn't it? So it's now just a wrecked ruin, a place for just jackals and crows and stuff. Yes, who are kind of metaphoric kind of images of demonic beings, mm. aren't they? Scuttling around Spooky in the shadows. Things. Yeah. Yuck. <laughs> Um, just in, in case anybody is feeling a little bit queasy about the um, gender politics of these few chapters, mm. it would be helpful to say that um, Babylon is presented as a female prostitute because 
there is something intoxicating about sexual intercourse mm. and the kings and so on have kind of thrown their brains away as mm. they've committed um, these sexual acts with this kind of spirit they've yeah. engaged they've kind of become wedded to her if you like mm. and they've given themselves over and they've given their autonomy and their sense over and the, it's all kind of woven together with this language of intoxication um because sex takes the br takes over the brain doesn't it and yeah. people do all kinds of crazy stuff in pursuit of it and in the same way uh, those who pursue alcohol, the alcoholics and the drug addicts and so on, pursue their addiction, it takes over their brains and kind of they give over their reason to the pursuit of this addiction. And so it's it's kind of wrapped up in that kind of language. But in case anybody is worried about women being cast in a negative light, mm. they should remember that Israel is there in one of the previous chapters giving birth to the messiah and very cast in a very noble light and of course as we read on through we see the heavenly city the new jerusalem she's, the bride. she's a bride she's female in gender glory and yeah. she's deeply desired by god yeah. and you know but i think we bear in mind that we're trying to put a 21st century kind of mindset on yeah. Something which was never written with that in view. Hmm. But at the same time, God did create ma male and female yeah. on purpose. In his image. And he loves it. He loves, he loves both. us both. Yeah, We're both absolutely. representations of him. And exactly. And, and her our desire to sort of understand why it's a her and not a him. Yeah. For both Babylon here and maybe Jezebel in the first mm -hmm. chapters. Oh, gosh, yeah. But it's like, well, the same question often doesn't come out of us for why the Nicolaitans are following a man or yeah. why Satan and the beast and the false prophet are all male. male. And it's like, it, when you ask that question, you think, well, yeah, it's of no consequence because they could justifiably be male or female either way. It's just John is writing what he saw. And these things may have been particularly poignant for him as such. And maybe, maybe there is a kind of thing in john which is making this kind of gender one way or the other because that's how he understands it mm -hmm. maybe it's just a, a picture mm -hmm. you know and as you say the women and the men of revelation there are bad ones and there are good ones yeah and some of the bad ones are the very worst and some of the best are yeah. the very best and we should just rejoice that that both are in it and that both are um, celebrated in their beauty and, and wonderfulness and all of the great things about being male are in revelation yeah all the great things about being women and all the kind of ways in which men and women can go wrong are also in this book, aren't they? They are, very much so. Yeah. So, verse 4 says, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death 
and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord who has judged her. Mm. Wow. Oh, can I just tell you about someone who died a long time ago called Augustine? Do it. Right, so he lived in the 4th century AD, and he lived and grew up in Rome and the mm-hmm. Roman Empire. So yeah. he wasn't in Rome itself, but he was a Roman, and, and he was part of the, the Roman world. And he sort of lived in and around the time when Rome was sacked and burned and destroyed by the invading barbarians from the east. And he speaks to a community of Christians who think, wow, Rome is destroyed. The beast, you know, the beast, which in chapter 17, we said, you know, the the woman on seven hills, it's a city. Yeah. Well, it can unarguably be Rome. So they're thinking, wow, three centuries after Jesus... Rome's gone. It's got its comeuppance. That must mean the end is nigh. Everything's nearly ready to go. It's mm-hmm. all going to disappear in a flash of an eye and, and we're all going to kind of be caught up to heaven and the end of the world is here. And Augustine is funny because he, he sort of recognises that and produces a lot of work to talk about how actually that's that's maybe not it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to see Babylon in our own environment to recognise the futility of the world's systems and understand the value of Jesus's alternative kingdom. So he writes this thing mm. about two kingdoms there are on earth, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness, to help people see that outside of your own experience is an everlasting story that God is telling and witnessing mm. about himself in every generation. And wow. the fact that Rome has fallen does not necessarily mean the end of the world is nigh. And as it turns out, it sure wasn't. And it doesn't mean the book of Revelation has finished speaking to us. Absolutely not. And it, that was his point too. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's sacked again later on in time. You know, it's, it's, We, we yeah. can't have it only fixed to one historical reality because otherwise it makes no sense of the rest of mm. history. We have to allow it to speak to our circumstance and also to the circumstance that would survive us long after we are gone. Mm. We have a very interesting sense here, Pete, don't we, in in verse 4, where he says that he hears this other voice. So he's seen this angel, which is so bright, it literally lights up, it it makes it lighter than it is just by the normal light. Just by being there, yeah. And he's powerful and glorious, and he makes this incredible statement, fallen, fallen. But then he, then there's another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her place, mm. and so on. So we've got this sense, again, that we have right back in the book of Genesis with Lot right, and right. his wife. Yeah. And they've gone into the Sodom. city of Sodom and yeah. become sort of... Corrupted. seduced and corrupted and kind of weakened by, yeah, yeah, by, yeah. by the kind of luxuries and depravity of the city and the mm-hmm. two sort of things are very much side by side just as in Babylon here yeah. God um, tells Abraham he's going to bring judgment against the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and mm-hmm. so on uh, because of their sins yeah and Abraham starts to plead and cry out to God for Lot to be saved, because, mm. well, for the city to be saved, because yeah. he thinks surely there's more righteous people than just my nephew. <laughs> and so he starts this famous negotiation with God, which we understand as intercession. Yeah. But here we have this same picture where God is saying to his people, Come out. Come out. You need to separate yourself from this culture. Otherwise, don't take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. And there's a sense that even at this hour, and I think in our day, Pete, 
there is a sense which the people of God need to hear that voice yeah, sure from heaven saying, come out, yeah. separate yourself from this culture, which is corrosive mm. and hostile to me and my kingdom. Yeah. And, and it's yet so tantalizes you and it offers you so much and you think, oh yeah. gosh, the world's got some good ideas, hasn't it? You know, about media and about how much we can enjoy watching things mm-hmm. and clicking on things and gorging ourselves on what the world has to offer. Wow. The very sort of attachment that we develop with the world and its systems is a risk to us, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And what God is saying is come out of her. And I don't think he only means come out and start another little Amish country up where yeah. you've got no money and no Babylon left in you. Cause that I really don't think is it, but it's saying renew yourself in my kingdom be a part of don't my be kingdom. lukewarm yeah. be boiling hot repent do the things you did yeah. at first be refreshing return to you your know, first love revitalize the world around you have an effect on yeah. them you know it's yeah. not just that your little innocent you being corrupted by the images of the yeah, world is bombarding me. you yeah. with but you're supposed to do violence unto this world of yeah. babylon you're supposed to be the one who's part of throwing off Babylon's Mm -hmm. clutches on us and our life. So every decision you make that separates you off from the futility of the world and embraces Jesus more fully is a great wound that you deal to our enemy. And And it's a sense of being holy, Mm. as in exclusively belonging to God, separate. And separated in our hearts. We kind of keep peeling off the slimy tentacles of the octopus of babylon if you like don't we yeah so when i'm at the pub and everybody else is drinking more i could drink more too and partake in it but it's like it's not a sin to go to the pub it's not a sin to drink a beer but sometimes i can drink enough where i'm like oh wait a second i think i've i'm on an edge here where i would rather come out and just say that's enough there's a choice for me i'm going home to my wife where i belong and I do think that that is a real lived experience for all of us every day. Yeah. You know, the world has many hooks in us and sometimes it's worth just remembering who's in charge of this world, what's really important and come out of it. And chapter 18 is speaking to us literally every day, even yeah. if we're not yet in the fulfillment of yeah, the end yeah, yeah. times or whatever. Don't make peace with Babylon now thinking that no. you'll part company just before the end. <laughs> because that was the mistake precisely that Lot and his wife made. Oh, and when it came to them actually leaving, Lot's wife couldn't leave. Yeah. She was wedded to it yeah. and died with it, which is very sad. Gross. Verse 9. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, that mm. is Babylon, will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. So these... Sorry, I'm not yeah, commenting yeah, for a second. Let's keep going. And they'll weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. Mm. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Wow. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves that is human souls yikes wow so all this 
trade in the most luxury items mm. has come to an end. Yes. And all the people who had been dealing with her, although maybe they hated her, yes. are now upset and yes. grieving because... All that they were gaining from her is gone. Yeah, absolutely. This is the same kings, I think, who were glad when they got rid of Babylon and felt that they'd beaten her. And they, mm. they tore her down and stripped her off and, and ate her, it says. Eesh. And they burn her up with fire and it's you know part of their heart's desire that that should happen. And yet when it's gone, it's like, oh, wait a second. But who's going to deliver my cinnamon in from the Indonesian islands where it's grown? Mm. Well... No one, because nobody's making that trip anymore. There's nobody to bring it. There's nobody mm -hmm. to bring you all the delectations that your heart <clears throat> fancies because the whole system of trade and money and, and, and power and things upon which you depend has gone. So, tough. You're, I hope you enjoy eating oats. Because <laughs> they're what grows. <laughs> yeah. Just, just cast your mind back, Pete, mm. to... The prophets, they said, that the glory of the latter house, of the, i.e. the second building, of, or what would, yeah, the second building of the temple was going to be more glorious than the first temple that Solomon built. Yeah. When they actually did build it, it was physically smaller. Mm. In Ezra, it says it, they wept because they were, like, some of them remembered yeah. what the old one was like. And they're thinking, this isn't better. That's this rubbish. is smaller. This is a little bundle. Tiny little shed. And then Solomon, uh, sorry, Herod mm -hmm. made it massive and extended it and covered it in sheet gold so it glinted in the sun. You could yeah, be seen yeah. from miles away. Um, White marble but and then the actual glory yes. of God came on what we call Palm Sunday, where the Messiah walked, rode into the Jerusalem on a donkey. On a donkey. He goes in and he creates a whip mm -hmm. and he. Drives. turns over the money changers he literally sees babylon mm -hmm. right there in the temple. in the most holy place that yes. god had requ god had required to be built mm -hmm. and god had had set apart for him and he goes and he brings this indictment he says this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations but you've made it a den of thieves yes and he's pronouncing a judgment on the temple and saying this is coming to an end yes. every stone's going to come down yeah but he's also pronouncing a judgment on Babylon. Yes. With which the temple has accidentally got intoxicated mm, made and bought into. an yeah. alliance, yeah. Absolutely. And Jesus, he, I mean, he calls it his father's house, doesn't he? And when he was a teenage boy or, or you know, a yeah. little boy at the temple, he stays there. And, is, <clears throat> and he says, you know, don't you, are, you, are you surprised that I'm at my father's business? This mm -hmm. is, you know, this is my place. Um, and in a way... When Jesus comes into the temple, that is the Lord visiting the temple. And, and it's the thing that the second temple never experienced. You know, they never get a big Solomon no, moment where no. the spirit of God floods in and knocks everyone over and everybody's sacrificing and stuff. That never comes along. Herod made that temple to buy favour with the Jews. Yeah. Because... He, and he worked for Babylon. He's the most Babylonian guy you can get. And exactly so. And yeah. and it's so important that, that we see that Babylon's reaches can definitely affect even the most spiritually minded yeah. of God's people. Yeah. And that's true today. It was true then. It was true way back in Genesis yeah. and everything in between. We are all living in uncomfortable closeness with a system that mm. directly opposes God, that is offended and affronted by everything God loves, yeah. and which is constantly bombarding us with messages to 
get us to compromise and, and mm. let it in a bit. Yeah. And we have to resist that call. And the, the, the whole sort of language of trade and, and delicacies and, and stuff is like, it, it's, it cuts to my heart because mm. I love for, you know, fancy food that of comes course. from afar. Yeah. And, you know, I like things spicy and oh, I like the, the, the yeah. different things that come from around the world. You know, I love the um, freedom to travel. I think post COVID, maybe we'll get some of that back, but all of that, I'm not saying that money is wrong and that capitalism is wrong or communism is wrong or anything like that. But all of those worldly systems are things that are designed to kind of bring it all together, mm -hmm. aren't they? And, and have a perfect system where you can have anything you want at any time. Yeah. And that system is eventually Babylon sure to fall. And Paul it? says, doesn't he, says to Timothy, command those who are rich mm. not to put their confidence in riches. Mm. And, and that's the... It's, it, it's such a important thought for Paul. He's like saying he commands them. He says, Com yeah. you know, right. So here we go. So verse 14, the fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you. Um, and all your delicacies and mm. all your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste and all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Yeah. And this is such an important aspect of what we were just talking about. The saints and the apostles and the prophets, and even if you don't think of yourself as a saint or an apostle or prophet, yeah. it does include you. Yeah. The saints and the apostles and prophets are crying out in their life and in their death when they're underneath yeah. the altar. They're saying, how long, O oh Lord, until you make vengeance against yeah. the one that kind of waged war against you and us as part mm -hmm. of that war against you. And what what God is saying is that when he rules against the systems of this world, when he finds the world guilty of mm. having sold itself into slavery to this undeserving sovereign, it will be the right thing that it's destroyed. Yeah. We, we like the world, don't we? We like the birds and the trees and the cities and the people and stuff. We, we are into it. Yeah. But this is that thing that John was saying in his letter, you know, that we, we shouldn't love the world. No. We shouldn't give our hearts to the world because... In the end, however lovely a tree is and, and a garden and a waterfall and the, the splendour of the nations of the world, it cannot last forever. It yeah. really can't. We can't give our hearts to it in that way, yeah. in a healthy way. Wow. Yeah. So this is like a classic lament, isn't it? Pete? Mm. Like we might see in some of the other prophets in the Old Testament, yeah, you know, yeah. a lament over the king of Tyre or the lament over Babylon even. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah, um, Jeremiah, yeah. they all have them, don't they? And it's a kind of rhetorical device, really, isn't it? Where mm. these imaginary 
people are watching on and lamenting and throwing dust on their heads. And it's really just to make the point that this is a final act of judgment. This mm. thing that the whole world had depended on is now over and done with. And actually, it, there is a degree of justice come yeah. because... It, it is good that it is gone. Yeah. 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 Verse 21 says then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea saying so babylon the city be thrown down with violence and will be found no more and the sound of harpists and musicians of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more the sound of a mill will be heard in you no more the light of a lamp will shine in you no more and the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and all who have been slain on the earth, and of all who have been slain on the earth. So yeah. now we're really seeing that Babylon has been the cause of every murder. All this time. So right there, right back in the Garden of Eden, when Cain slew his brother Abel. After the Garden of Eden, but sure. Sorry, yes, just that. outside the Garden of Eden. Yeah, rather. yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the back door. <laughs> Near. Yeah, that desire to murder and overpower someone of whom we're jealous, that, that is Babylonish. So we understand that right then, Cain was engaging with the spirit of Babylon. Mm. And this judgment now that God has brought has covered is is in retribution for all of those crimes yes. and and this is the place where we see the true nature of babylon because i know that the 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 prophecies and the poetry and the text make us think of a city and it says you know that she is a city totally totally mm -hmm. definitely john's saying it's the city but it, there there is something behind the city which means it doesn't matter which city doesn't yeah. matter which place there's a where all the world stuff comes together that's the sort of fertile, stinking pile that everything that it is Babylon will kind of find a fertile place to kind of multiply and extend all the tendrils out mm. and affect everything else. Because what we've got in the very final assessment here is sorcery and the blood of the prophets and saints. Yeah. So sure, you know, when you first see this woman riding on a creature, you know, arrayed in fine jewels, you think, what's wrong with that? You know, it's not yeah. so bad. Nice. Just a nice lady who looks nice and she's wearing nice stuff. You know, good for her. But, you know, it's it's all a smokescreen. You know, yeah. what we're really talking about is a hideous, deceitful, satanic kind of corruption, yeah. a corrosion of the human condition, yeah. which finds its fancy and its kind of tantalizing desires met in the, the you know, for a time in the pleasures of the world and all the different ways that the world mm. can offer us power and influence and, and pleasure. But underneath it all is that same problem we've always had, the human sinful condition, which has only one solution. Mm -hmm. Only one solution. Yeah. And it's interesting that all the nations were deceived mm -hmm. by her sorcery. And this magic... Um, sorcery is never a good thing in the Bible, is it? It's, no. it's outright, it's forbidden outright by God. And there's that kind of 
implication that sorcery overrules the natural laws and people takes over people's faculties against their will mm. and and somehow enables people to be deceived and yeah. God is judging her for this kind of alliance with the dark demonic realm that mm. makes that kind of thing possible. Yeah, and she trades in souls, doesn't she? Yeah. She's, she's no respecter of, of human rights, is she? She's yeah. into that. And all of... all of uh, You know, it's not as if Western, liberal, kind of human rights kind of language is, is so great. But there is a sense I have in which I, I take confidence when we affirm the kind of rights of children and women and, and men as well to be free from the nefarious influence of others when mm. they wish to be. Yeah. And there's something wrong with someone who's trapped in abusive relationship. There's something wrong yeah. seeing somebody being controlled beyond their will yeah. to, to kind of do things for somebody else. It's it's just awful, isn't Sold it? Sold as a slave, yeah. Yeah. And, and and here we have the ultimate judgment, the ultimate retribution on the slave trade. Yeah. On at last any form of trade in human human life. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, we can draw great inspiration about how to apply it today from the anti slavery moments movements that are out there at the moment mm -hmm. trying to say, you know, like we we think slavery's gone because the sort of slave triangle thing where people were kidnapped yeah. in Africa and made to work in slave plantations in the Americas. You know, William Wilberforce and the guys there, they looked at that and they said, look, we've become the bad guys. This is yeah. awful. We have to stop this. And they did stop it. And thank God for well them because they loved yeah. Jesus and they just couldn't see how the, the kind of people around them could possibly sink to this depth. Mm. But today there's still... A similar reality, isn't there? Yeah. There's still people trafficking. There's still people being held against their will in horrible kind of situations where, yeah. you know, it's not possible to just line it up in the sights of Parliament and say no more of this because it's sort of under the surface and it's yeah. getting at people sort of around the edges. And I and just, I yeah, I think the insidious nature of that spirit mm. is so well, kind of characterized in these few chapters that it helps us to understand that actually in our own culture babylon has got her tentacles and you know we we just like need to hear that clear voice again come out from her yeah because she glorifies herself and she lives in luxury and she says you know i'll never suffer i'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm i love queen. peace i love yeah. joy i love you know yes yeah, so listen to kindness. the sound of music in oh my brilliant yeah yeah I'm, I'm well up for that yeah. but it's it's all a cover isn't it because yeah. the the real worldly system is is a gross distortion and, and yeah. full of all that corruption that's been rotting away in us all this time yeah <laughs> on that cheerful note but on that cheerful note heaven is full of music oh isn't it and song and, food. and instruments and food and celebration and, and, and so and God is not against dancing. all of that stuff. No, no, He loves <laughs> us. No, and and the it, it's wrong to think that the human experience of pleasure is in itself a bad thing. No, you know, absolutely. the Bible doesn't teach us to hate yeah. our bodies and and you know hate physicality itself it teaches us to just be kind and and to and actually He desires our body to be yeah, a temple. That's he right. Says, I, don't you know your body? belongs to the lord you know and it's actually yeah, a temple yeah. and all the rest temple of, of his holy spirit so yeah eat feed it you know feed look it good it. food look after it Make keep it, it well oiled yeah. and kind of find joy and love and exercise a little bit <laughs> <laughs> there you go Woo. What, a, what a 
far-reaching chapter. So, Lord, again, we give our thoughts and our meditations to you, Lord, and we ask that you will continue to speak to us. Lord, we want to say, God, we want to be that people who are set apart for you, who are not woven inextricably into the fabric of Babylon, but Mm. who have heard your call and understand who we are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, everyone. God bless you.